Hello, I'm Montana. And I'm Samantha. And you're listening to Reaper Tales. And today I'm going to tell Samantha about the about two different di- disappearances in North Carolina. These are two separate cases. They're the case of uh, Pretty Ashley Porter and uh, Tamika Pridgen. But before we get started, Samantha... What are we drinking or not drinking tonight? <laughs> I'm glad you asked. Tonight is going to be another dealer's choice, so pick your poison. Um, I am drinking water, <laughs> and uh, I believe, Montana, you're drinking some bourbon? Yeah, I I have been taking a break from drinking, so tonight was my one night for you guys, you listeners. Uh, to get me a little sauced, not much because I have one glass. <laughs> but my favorite she bourbon has to tell the story. So. <laughs> exactly, I have to say a little bit clear-headed. Thank you, friends. One day, maybe I'll do like a super drunk episode, but I highly doubt it. Well, you already did one when you were delusional, so <laughs> that's true. I wasn't drunk; I was delusional. So, but I, it's about the same. Um, my favorite. Uh, bourbon is Angel's Envy, and that's what I have, and got a little, um, it's not a little, it's a giant ice cube in there that is actually a, and do not make fun of me, Samantha, it is, it's, it's the Death Star. I'm not going to make fun of you. <laughs> I wouldn't make so. fun of you for that. There's so many other things that I could make fun of you for. That's that true. Way better. That's so true. Anyways, again, um, I think I think going forward, if we're going to do any like serious cases, and these are two pretty serious cases, in my opinion, um, we're not going to do like a, you know, a witty um, drink pairing with it. It just doesn't seem right. So it, it, anytime we do anything serious, I think we're going to do pick your poison. So. Cheers, Samantha. Cheers. To your water, to my bourbon. Thank you. For those of you who do not know, I do have have migraines on occasion. So drinking doesn't help that. So water it is. No, it doesn't. But she's sticking out with us. She's here. (laughs) You know, in in the uh, online flesh. Because it's not actual flesh. Anyways. So are you ready to hear about... The disappearance of, we're going to start with Pretty Ashley Porter. I am. Never been more ready. Cool. Well, actually, uh, this case was one of the original cases that I started researching uh, when we were first talking about doing this podcast. Both of these women, and I say women loosely because uh, our second case is a 16-year-old, so she's not a woman. Our uh, women are girl ladies of color. And I did them jointly for two different reasons. Not because they're women of color, but because there's not a lot on their cases. So when I was originally 
when I originally did Jamie Fraley, which was our first episode, I was actually researching Pretty Ashley Porter's case. Yeah, I remember you saying you knew what case you were doing, you were researching it, and then last minute we ended up having to switch stories because you said you just, you weren't able to find enough information yet. And I know you've been trying since then. Yeah, there's just not a lot on these cases. And I think you, when you go to research women of color, um, you find that that's kind of a trend, which is unfortunate. Uh, but also, I did them jointly because while I was researching uh, Pretty Ashley Porter's case, I came across Tamika Pridgen as well. And, well they kind of disappeared in similar ways. Their cases are not connected. I want to go ahead and state that clearly. But the it was just so similar. And, well, I guess the only way to tell you about that is to tell you about that. <laughs> so Probably we'll start a good, with... Good place to start. <laughs> yeah, we'll start with uh, Pretty Ashley Porter. So... Pretty Ashley Porter graduated from high school in 2007. After high school, Ashley worked in some, manu- in some manufacturing positions in Gastonia. In some articles, they refer to her as Pretty and uh, others, Ashley. So going forward, I'm going to refer to her as Ashley because I saw her mostly either as Ashley or they referred to her as Porter Some refer to her as pretty, so we're just going to say Ashley. Okay. So, Ashley was a model citizen who never drank, used drugs, or had legal issues. Hi. That's me. Um, (laughs) Don't look at her. (laughs) What? It's true. (laughs) Uh, A quote from Ashley's mother states, I could be a good friend, but there's a respect that I'm her mother. This is Tanya Davis. And that's what she told the Gaston Gazette. She also said, if she drank, she did that somewhere else. If she smoked, she did it somewhere else. She didn't do that around me. So before we unpack that, I also want to point out in another article, it states that Ashley's mother, Tanya, stated, and this is a quote directly from the article. So, quote, Davis described her daughter as someone who didn't do drugs, didn't run with a rough crowd, and was a light drinker. So, and I know that's not like a huge discrepancy, but it's in one article, in several articles, it said that she didn't drink at all. And then in another, it said she drank lightly. And that might be just me like nitpicking on the way these articles are written. Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like this reminds me of the Debbie Wolf case. Didn't they say the exact same thing about her and there was beer all over the front porch? Yep. Okay, I'm just making sure. I, I'm, I was making sure this wasn't a case of deja vu because I was well, starting to freak out. They said that Debbie Wolf didn't drink much, but then when her mother showed up and saw all that beer everywhere, that, um, and if you haven't listened to it, it's episode three. So go yes. back and listen to that. It's a pretty good one. Terrible quality on the mic. Sorry about that. We've gotten better ones. but And that was uh, another unsolved, right? It's another unsolved, but uh, Debbie, Debbie Wolf's case 
when her mother showed up, she looked at the beer and said, that's not the beer that Debbie drinks. So it was like two differing things. Right. Debbie's, her mother said she didn't drink. And then that when she showed up, that's not the beer that she drinks. So it was kind of like, well, does she drink or does she not drink? You know, some discrepancy. Okay. I was just making sure I wasn't like having a glitch in the matrix type situation because i knew i'd heard something very similar so okay you're not but also to unpack that a little bit you know you go back to like her original statement she doesn't do drugs she doesn't drink you know and then it says she doesn't run with a rough crowd she doesn't do drugs she's a light drinker i don't know about you but like i didn't tell my parents what I did in my early 20s. I mean, I tell my dad everything now, but that's only because, well, (laughs) he's he's on board with whatever. Well, you're a little older. (laughs) Yeah. Makes a little bit of a difference. I remember the first time that I ever drank a beer with my dad and I was well above drinking, legal drinking age, but it was kind of like, oh, I'm an adult now. I can do this and it's okay. So, I mean, I get it, but no, before that, no, we didn't, we didn't talk about that. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, it, it wouldn't be surprising if she did do anything. I'm not saying that she did. Do not, do not take that out of context. I'm saying for my own experience, and I know that she probably had a different experience. I'm sure she did. That even if she did do something, that was drug or alcohol related or anything like that. I doubt she was going to tell her mother, even if they were best friends. Well, and I mean, who hasn't, I mean, there's, there's a few people, but who hasn't experimented? That doesn't mean that you did anything more than that. Um, and there doesn't mean there's anything wrong with it, but if you did, you definitely weren't telling your parents. So yeah, no, I used to hop out of my uh, childhood bedroom to go smoke cigarettes with the neighbors. I know it's a terrible (laughs) habit. I've given up cigarettes. Don't. No. Never. Never. Lecture me. (laughs) And this was when I was like 16. (laughs) So my parents. That was more of a thing during our time. Yeah, it definitely was. Well, I mean, um, Ashley actually. So she graduated the same year I would have graduated. So it was, we're the same age. Um, So we grew up in the same like time frame. That's why I was like, when I first saw her, I was like, oh my God, we could have been friends. I was like, girl, no, you can't be friends. She lived in North Carolina. You lived in (laughs) Alabama. Calm down. You haven't been there your whole life, even though it may feel that way. My Lord, does it? Okay. So moving on. On April 19th, 2009, Ashley attended church as usual with her mother. Later that evening, after dinner, Ashley spent some time on the internet, spoke on the phone with some friends, then went to speak to a neighbor. At around 10 p.m., she came home and told her mother goodnight. According to her mother, nothing seemed to be out of the ordinary during their exchange that night. So this is 2009. Ashley graduated from high school in 2007. In 2009, she's 22. Okay. 
and I was just trying to fit I was just trying to figure that out yeah <laughs> I saw like the gears turning you know? <laughs> hey, math is hard <laughs> especially at night which is when we're recording this my brain yeah fried. I know also we had to spend like an hour before we started recording <laughs> fixing our mics my mic it was my mic I messed up anyway you're welcome so the you fox- don't have to turn up the volume all the way to 100 in order to hear us yeah exactly so the following mor- morning Tanya this is uh, Ashley's mother wanted to borrow a coat from Ashley's closet but Ashley's door was locked Tanya tried knocking, but it went unanswered. She had her husband, Ashley's stepfather, break down the door. Once inside, they noticed something unsettling. Ashley's bedroom was empty, and the window screen had been removed. Ashley had also left behind all of her personal belongings. This included her cell phone, purse, and money. That's unusual. Mm -hmm. It really is. You'll find that that might be a trend. Okay. Initially, Ashley's parents assumed she had simply climbed out of her bedroom window that night to talk to someone, but intended to come back soon. When she did not return the next day, Ashley's mother thought she was simply staying with friends. After over a week passed without any sign of Ashley, she was reported missing. A week? A week. Listen. A quote from Tanya in the Gaston Gazette says, That's the worst thing anybody wants to do is lose their child. It's just one thing you don't want to do. After Tanya reported Ashley missing, oh my god, a week after Tanya reported Ashley missing, the initial police report on Ashley's case characterized her disappearance as not a crime missing person. What does that even mean? It means that they think that she left of her own free will. Oh, because I thought normally they'll just, that's just an excuse they say, and then they don't report it. So I just, I guess I just found it weird that they reported it, but reported it in this different way. That's what they put it in, missing person. Okay. However, as time passed, investigators eventually announced that they believe foul play was involved in her disappearance. You don't say. You mean... She le- she didn't just intentionally leave her money, phone, everything behind. I guess not. So here's where things take a turn. You see, Ashley had an ex-boyfriend. And this ex-boyfriend was abusive. And also, her parents didn't allow him at their house. Uh, I don't blame them. I don't either. Tanya elaborated on... Ashley's ex-boyfriend and his involvement in a 2017 news article commenting, it kind of makes you think, was it somebody who was not comfortable with knocking at my door, ringing my doorbell, that they would go to the window to get her attention instead of coming to the door? It's not normal. No, for her to go out the window. But with the knowledge that I didn't want this person around, they must not have felt comfortable enough to knock on the door. Makes sense. And I went to the end of Google search to try and find the name of this ex-boyfriend. And he is not listed anywhere. He is not listed as a um, suspect. He Nothing. You can't find anything on this ex-boyfriend. 
Is there any indication that they even looked into him? No. Okay, then. Another quote. We just want to know something, Tanya told the Gassing Gazette. If she's no longer with us in this world, I want a place I'll be able to go and visit her and have a proper, proper place for her to be. I want to believe that she's still out there, Ashley's brother, Chauncey McKinney, told the Gassing Gazette. I don't want to think somebody did something to her. I miss her. I love her. That's rough. It is. I, and that's it. Pretty Ashley Porter was 5'3 and weighed 140 to 150 pounds when she vanished. If you have any information, please contact the Gastonia Police Department at 704-866-6879. That's, that's literally all you could find? That's it. Okay, when you said you couldn't find much information, I wouldn't have thought it would be that little. That's it. That's all. I couldn't, I tried to search for um, Ashley's like early years because that's normally like what I do is I'll get a case and the first thing I'll do is I'll like briefly read over the case and then I go back and I look for like their early life because I want to know what they were like growing up, you know, what, you know, who, what, what did they do in school? Did they run track? this person? Yeah, who is this person? Nothing. There's nothing on her. The only other information that I really got was from, like, some Reddit articles, which, I mean, take Reddit with a grain of salt. Yeah, Um, for sure. And there's a lot of conspiracies on Reddit about this case. And there's a lot of really, honestly, hateful stuff that they've said about uh, Ashley's parents on reddit well, and i just the can't. one place you want to go to for judgment is, is online reddit. and reddit yeah. is number one they are extremely good at finding judgment in any situation for any person so yeah but i did you know i found little things like for instance um ashley's mother tanya she didn't change ashley's room for several years i want to say it was like four or five years Uh, left it as it was but um after she had a grandchild she ended up changing that ashley's room into a playroom for her grandchild and my god the hateful things people said about that online i just get a life people you can't not everybody has the luxury of holding on to a room forever No, and the other thing is, I mean, it's not that she's given up per se, but at some point you have to move on. Yeah. I mean, and having that room there is not allowing you to do that. It doesn't mean that she doesn't still hold out hope that her daughter is going to come back at all. So what are your thoughts? Um, I think that it's shameful that there's not more information Um, That kind of gives me the indication that it very well could be a case that was not researched or worked as hard as it should have been. Um, I mean, there's a possibility it just wasn't reported. But if you think about other cases that we've done, even unsolved ones, a lot more information that was available. 
Yeah, and for me to have been researching this for, what are we at, four months now? I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) That's, That's literally all I could find. Outside of me reaching out to the family directly, that was all I could find. So... Well, I hope that somebody somewhere who knows something says something. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's basically all you can really hope for in this situation because it sounds like it's just completely cold and nobody, it doesn't, it sounds like nobody has it on their desk and they're refusing to to let it go until it's solved. So unfortunately it's going to be up to a person that's not involved in the case. Yeah, and other people talking about it. And that's another reason why I wanted to to go ahead and do it. Because I just, I feel like it hasn't gotten the um, publicity. I I don't want to say publicity, but the people talking about it like they should. Somebody going missing in their own bedroom is terrifying to me. Very, very odd. I mean, it would be one thing if all of her stuff was missing. But, but it wasn't. And so that leads to two different, exp- I mean, two different things to think about. One is that she didn't leave on her own accord because she would have taken those things with her for sure. And two, that if somebody did take her, they left that there when they could have taken it. I mean, it was worth something. So they could have taken it because it would have been valuables that they could have used and they didn't. So that means the target was her and her alone. Yeah. Which so is that terrifying. is a scary thought. Yeah. So moving on to Tamika, Danielle, and I hope I'm saying that right. If I'm not, don't at me, but like, just tell me how to actually pronounce it. So Tamika, Danielle, Pridgen. Tamika was known as Mika by friends and family. And she was your typical teenager. At 16 years old, she enjoyed drawing. And she was also gorgeous. So I sent you a picture of her. She is stunning. Yeah. That smile. Yeah. She's beautiful. On the night of May 12, 2001, Tamika was with her mother, Cassandra Best. At their home. Around 10 p.m., Cassandra was expecting her boyfriend, Eric Moore, at their home. Cassandra planned to end things with Eric that night. However, five minutes before Eric was expected to arrive at their home, Cassandra dozed off to sleep. She later woke up around midnight and realized that Tamika was gone. Cassandra would later tell journalists, I started looking around to see if anything was missing, and I saw that the shoes that she was wearing were still there, and her purse were still there. This is when she started to pan- when the panic started to set in. Oh, I bet. So again, we have another case where her personal belongings were still there, and she... Including her shoes. Including her shoes. She just went missing from their home. Cassandra was unsure if Eric ever actually stopped by, but she was immediately worried about her daughter when she realized Tamika's shoes and other personal belongings were still inside the house. 
Cassandra subsequently reported to Tamika missing. Authorities initially considered her a runaway and believed she may have traveled to Goldsboro, North Carolina. Listen, I tried... Okay, let's unpack this real quick. First off, authorities, get your foot out of your own assholes. Every single case where a person ends up missing, every single one, for the most part, that we've even talked about, except for maybe one or two exceptions where the police actually knew the person themselves. If it's not somebody that's a close friend or a relative of theirs, the assumption is they left of their own accord. That's yeah. No, that's not, it's not your job to solve the case before you've even started looking at it. Yeah. That, what are you, what are you doing? Can you just, what also she's not wearing shoes like what if i'm gonna run away i'm gonna have shoes on it's probably one of the bare minimum things to me yeah if i'm gonna leave my purse i'm definitely not gonna leave my shoes yeah and her purse had money in it and she like okay but she's a runaway, and apparently they assume she went to Goldsboro. So, do you also, know where did of- where did, uh, that was when you said a specific place that really threw me. So I couldn't I couldn't find out why they specifically. And again, this is another one where I went down a bunch of rabbit holes to try and I even went through a timeline of something that I'll bring up later. But I'm not gonna bring up the timeline because I don't trust it. But. <sighs> I went down rabbit holes to try and figure out why they specifically said she ran away to Goldsboro. The only thing that I can imagine why they would say something like that is because, so my husband is from that area. So I've told you he's from New Bern. If you're right. going to New Bern about, I want to say... 30 minutes or whatever you're going to go through Goldsboro. Then you're going to go through, um, sorry, LaGrange, which is where she was from or where she was abducted from. And then you're going to get to New Bern. The biggest major town city or whatever, and they're not even a major town is Goldsboro to there. So that would be your first stop. And that's the only thing, like, in my head, I'm thinking only because I'm familiar with the area, I would say she, you know, they assume she went there. Unless they know something that we don't know and they're not telling us, which it would, my assumption would be that she had somebody there that she knew, that she was in contact with. But again, we don't have any of that information. Yeah, but has the mother said anything about that city? Nope. So, I mean, I don't know why the police would know something like that if she hasn't said anything to confirm that. Yeah, I I don't either. So, bang up job, guys. <laughs> Throughout the investigation, I'm, again, I want to point out, I, I laugh when things are funny, I laugh when things are uncomfortable, and I laugh when I'm mad. So... I'm dealing with it with my therapist. Don't worry. Uh, (laughs) 
So if you hear me laughing, it's because I'm either uncomfortable or I'm very angry. And right now I'm pretty angry about this situation. I think that's actually pretty common. I mean, if, as far as an uncomfortable situation, it's actually pretty common to laugh. Um, yeah. It's, a, it's an attempt to make yourself a little more comfortable, but it doesn't really help. It doesn't. It doesn't. So, throughout the investigation, it was determined that Tamika was on the phone with a friend shortly before she disappeared. The friend told police that the phone call abruptly ended after Tamika heard a knock on, the, on her door. As time passed, police began to believe Tamika was forced out of her home by somebody she had let inside. Okay. So, again, my only assumption, since I don't have an actual police report and I don't have a timeline from them for this 20-year-old case, is that they initially assumed she ran away, and the first assumption was Goldsboro, the biggest city around them but again goldsboro is not a big city and then they spoke they got her i don't know phone records figured out who she talked to and then the friend told them and then they realized it was but at that point i don't know they that's my assumption these are all assumptions i don't know i mean my thought would be if if they were really investigating it would they not think that it was the boyfriend her mom's boyfriend like showed up and did something so like did they even look into him oh we'll get to it okay we're I just to get to it. i'm just making sure <laughs> first case they didn't do a whole lot so i'm just all right go oh, on again another boyfriend but whatever after tamika disappeared cassandra was shocked to discover eric had a lengthy criminal record her boyfriend how long had they been together at that point I don't know. (laughs) Well, that would suck. Yeah. He was previously convicted for theft, kidnapping, and assault. Oh. You can't see me. I'm doing a bunch of hand gestures. I mean, Uh, that sucks. Because how would she even be able to know that? Yeah, she didn't. And like to have to find that out after you know your daughter's missing, like that would be devastating. Mm-hmm. And she was going to break up with this dude that night. So a quote from her said, I had no idea. All I knew about his past was what he had told me. This is what she told W.R.A.L. It was actually the chief of police who asked me how much did I know about his background. I was blown away. I mean, I imagine. Yeah. That's the dangers of internet dating right now. That's what bothered me when I was dating before I got married to my husband. Like, I don't I don't know what these... I, I have to just take their word for it because I can't do background checks. Of course, Montana will. But... I'm well, pretty I sure mean, she did one on my husband at some point. <laughs> <laughs> what? But this is also a different time. This is before we had the internet where we could just pay to have all this different kind of access to people's records. But I'm just saying like, that is a scary thought to any woman, especially any woman that has children. Like, mm-hmm. what are you getting into? I mean, they can seem like very nice people 
and you just have no idea. So get this. In 2006, Eric, so this is um, uh, a few years after Tamika went missing. In 2006, Eric was convicted of sexually assaulting a minor. He served nine years in the Easton Correctional Institute and was released in 2015. He denied any involvement in the disappearance of Tamika. Okay. So, only a couple of years after your girlfriend's uh, young daughter goes missing, you are also convicted of sexually assaulting a minor. For which you only served nine years. Again, yeah. Okay, yeah. That's a different topic. (laughs) We're going to say on this one. I, I can't help but point it out. But anyway... Yeah, I mean, that two years, that's just long enough for you to get into somebody else's life, get them to trust you, and then you have access to their child. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't I don't know the details about that other case, so I don't know what it, you know, if, I don't know. But this is, he was previously convicted for kidnapping and assault, and then he was convicted of sexually assaulting a minor after so he's got a track a sandwich yeah. of records in between or on the outside of this case but police have stated have not stated if they consider eric to be a suspect in tamika's case okay okay So this next little part, I'm going to quote directly from the article because I found it interesting and it's the most recent information I could find, which actually came out this year. Oh, okay. In a WITN.com article published on May 12th, 2022, 21 years after the disappearance of Tamika, the article was written by Dave, 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 I... This that's my dyslexia coming out. <laughs> Dave Jordan. I tried to say Dave Jordan. Oh. <laughs> uh, guys, I'm so tired. <laughs> he revisited the investigation in it, and these are just snippets from the article that I pulled out that I found interesting. If you want to read the entire article, I will put it in our show notes, and you can go read the entire article. But. It says, Lenore County Sheriff Ronnie Ingram says, just to completely disappear off the face of the earth is very, very unusual. Tamika's mother, Cassandra Bess, talked to me over the years as the investigation into her daughter's disappearance continued. She told me in 2010, every day I miss her, and I want so badly to know where she is and what happened. So I sat down with her again as another year passed with no answers. She said, I miss her every single day. I think about her every single day. People don't just disappear into thin air. But this is what this feels like. Like no trace, no trace at all. This is the nightmare Cassandra lives with every day. She says Tamika seemingly vanished from her home while she was taking a nap. She still believes today, as she did when I talked to her, when I talked with her previously, that someone abducted her and that she did not leave on her own. Cassandra told me in 2010, quote, she um, left her shoes. 
her purse and it had money in her purse. This evening it rained and was cool and I knew she would not have walked out without her shoes on. The original police department no longer exists. The case is now in the hands of the Lenore County Sheriff's Office, where Sheriff Ronnie Ingram says investigators are back out searching around the house in the past few years. He says, we actually went out and we met with a group and we went over the area, walked all through the woods, wooded area, down there with dogs, cadaver dogs. Dogs still didn't hit nothing. We did a couple of fields there just past the house. Nothing. Cassandra told me years ago she felt like the initial investigation into her daughter's disappearance was hindered because a missing persons case weeks earlier involving a classmate of Tamika's turned out to be a hoax. She still feels that way. Cassandra says there just wasn't enough attention on it when it first happened. You know, people say those first 48 hours are crucial, and that's true. So maybe my other guess on this was that the hoax disappearance was that of the classmate and the classmate ended up in Goldsboro. But again, I couldn't find anything about the classmate. And I pulled up newspaper articles. God, I pulled up newspaper articles from the weeks previous to Tamika disappearing in that area. And I couldn't find out what they were talking about about that. I'm not saying that I don't believe her. I'm just saying I couldn't figure out what it was because the only reason I looked for it was because I was like, well, maybe the classmate went to Goldsboro. Yeah. And that's what they're they're trying to, like, make a correlation between that. But, I mean, it doesn't matter if there's a hoax. It does not mean that they're related in any way, shape, or form. It deserves yeah. to be investigated no matter what, to the same extent and level that you would do in any other missing persons case. I agree. I get being frustrated and, you know, annoyed. I'm sure they have a lot of cases that they work through, but that's not an excuse because one person's life is just as valuable as the next. So they all deserve the same treatment and attention. I agree. And again, um, I just want to point out, you know, these are two women of color. Well, a woman and a child of color. And I find that, and this is my opinion, and this is after researching multiple cases of people of color, I don't get as much information about them. And I feel like that has a lot to do with the police department and the way that they investigate these cases. There, I said it. I mean, that that has been proven. What was it? The, um, was it the Chicago? No, Cleveland Strangler. He specifically targeted women of color that were sex workers. So there was almost no report of missing persons. And when there was, they didn't look into it. They even had a witness who escaped and told them exactly what had happened and they did nothing. And that was before I think five or six more women died. So, I mean, this is, this isn't just a one-off or even two cases. I mean, it's It's been shown more and more, especially as 
things are coming to light now that maybe weren't looked into at the time or, you know, the news was choosy on what it reported. That's not as much the case anymore. And a lot of cases are getting more information now. Which is good, but also these older cases need to have a light shine on them. You know, yeah. we, in the true crime community, a, a lot of them spend a lot of time on the more like, well, honestly, I would probably say a lot of them spend a lot more time on stuff where they can get more resources on it. Yeah, probably. And, but to me, you know, I've had pretty Ashley Porter on my radar for several months now and I just didn't want to let her sit there longer and longer and just let her go unreported on our podcast and I just felt like let's just go ahead and do it well and that was one of our goals when we first set out to do this we talked about it and we specifically wanted to do many different types of cases but specifically wanted to do smaller cases that have not been reported or have not been talked about and but are just as important as all the other cases that are easy to come by so this follows this follows that even though you couldn't get much information i'm sure you got every bit that you could and (laughs) you know that's the only way you get it out get the word out there and there are a lot of web sleuths that have solved a lot of cases that people thought weren't going to ever be solved. So this is how you Listen, can get that started. I'm not a web sleuth, but if a web sleuth is listening and you find anything, let us know. I want to know these Please. two women or this woman and this child. I, they would both be women now, but I want to know. I want to know if you find anything about them because they are on my Google alerts now, along with uh, Debbie Wolf and Jamie Fraley. And I want to know what has happened to them. So to round it out, Tamika Danielle Pridgen was five, seven to five, 10. She weighed 165 pounds when she vanished. Also, there is about 10 years ago, they came out with a, um, what are those sketches called when they make them look older or what they would look like if they were oh, older? Age, age, um, not regression, progression. Progression. 10 years ago, they came out with the age progression, um, photograph of what Tamika Pridgen would look like today or 10 years ago. We'll post that, um, and if you have any information, please contact the LaGrange Police Department at 252-527-5117. And There's we will a lot include of re- both of those num- numbers and inform- that information in the show notes as well. Yeah. Also, I didn't list out all of my resources because I have so many <laughs> bits of resources because I pulled little bits from every little piece, but they'll be in the show notes. Also, one of the major ones that I found, and I want to, I want to go ahead and point this out too. One of the major sites that I found when researching both of these cases was, now I gotta scroll up, the Charlie Project. So I don't, have you heard of the Charlie Project, Sam? 
So the Charlie Project covers a lot of cases like this. Um, if you're curious about missing people in your area, you know, go on to the Charlie Project and search in your area. They'll list a lot of those. Um, and they have, I mean, they're like, they have like information about the disappearances. They have information about the people, like what they look like, what their height is, you know, what they went missing in. Yeah, I think I heard about that on one of the cases where I watched a documentary where they actually were able to locate the person. Yeah. The Charlie Project has a lot, a lot of information. It does a lot of good and it had profiles on both of these cases and if you go to the charlie project be sure to donate um i did but it's a it's a good program anyway sam what did you think uh i think you did a good i think you did a good job i think you did the best job you possibly could um i think that these cases definitely need to be heard and reported so that the proper attention can be given to them um, I think it's just a shame that you've, you've got, you have two cases of people just from their homes. And I know she was a young woman, but she wasn't that far from being a child. And 22, yeah, that's this not just, that old. And they were both relatively small. So, you know, it's just, how could you... Well, look at that case and not say, but why, but how, like I would want to solve that just because that's so bizarre. I wouldn't be making excuses. I would want to know the answer. So that just surprises me every time this comes up where it just sounds so bizarre and it doesn't make any sense. Like, I don't know how, I mean, I, I, I want to solve puzzles. I want to find out the reasoning behind things and know it's not always possible, but I'm sure going to try to the best of my ability to get those answers. And if that's your job, I just can't see how you could not. That just blows I my agree. mind. I, I just, I can't understand it, you know? And in Tamika's case, you know, they they re- revisited it. They revisited it 21 years later, but they're trying now. I just, why didn't you try 21 years ago? I mean, I'm not saying it can't be solved now, but the likelihood of it being solved is exponentially less likely at this point than it would have been if it had just been researched and, and dive people had dove into it with their full efforts. You know, even if you can't find any more information than they did, at least they can say we did our very best. Well, it goes back to what Tamika's mom, Cassandra said, and I quote, you know, people say the first 48 hours are crucial. That's true. And how many of these cases where it is still unsolved, was it a case of they didn't even look at it for days, sometimes weeks? Yeah. So. So it's a tough case, but you did a good job. 
<laughs> you know, I already no. said good job. You don't have to good job yourself. Well, I have Please. to good job myself. It's something my therapist tells me. I'm so critical about myself. Good mm-hmm. job yourself. So good All job right. me. Good job. Um, good job you, Samantha, for being here with a migraine. And good job uh, for listeners for sticking with us. I know that this is a more serious one. I promise. Wait, no. Next week's... Is next week going to be a serious one? Probably. I have two so cases next- I'm looking at, but yeah, it's probably <laughs> going to be serious. So next week's going to be a serious one, but then we're going to have a- another one like what lurks below. So we're trying we're trying to like break things up a little bit for you guys, just so you know. How do we end this again? <laughs> <laughs> they can find us on Instagram. <laughs> My God. <laughs> at Reaper Tales Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at Reaper Tales Podcast. You can email us at ReaperGals at ReaperTales.com. If you have any suggestions for shows, if you want to tell us how pretty we are and how good our voices sound, you can email us there. Um, be sure to like, subscribe, and rate and review and all of that nonsense on whatever platform you're listening to us on. Uh, it boosts us up the charts and it makes sure other people find us. So maybe next week we might have five listeners, you know, who knows? <laughs> maybe we'll get two more and it'll be six. I like to keep it an even number. Oh my God, maybe. Uh Anyway, until next time, the reaper will come for us all.